We'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for February 6th, 2011. And continuing on with the study, next article is from JRAD at lookupfellowship.com again. And it's entitled, So To Speech Linked to Saudi Arabian Forum. Many of you are well aware of the fact that the key to seeing the big picture and to understand what's really going on in this upside-down world is to look at it from a biblical perspective and through the prism of prophecy. On a practical level, that means taking what we already know to expect from God's Word and making that our foundation. Then we need to use the brain that God gave us and seek out news and information, not just from a few select sources, but from multiple sources around the world. And I would add in there to cross-confirm what we're talking about. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, a thing is established, as the Bible would say. Going back to the article, it says, Oftentimes this will include getting our news from the right, the left, the middle, the mainstream, the non-mainstream, the national, and the international media outlets. Why is that important? Because it's like putting together a puzzle. The more pieces you have in your possession, the greater your chance of being able to put them all together in the right places so that a clearer picture emerges. With that being said, I'm beginning to wonder if we may have found the reason behind the President Obama's odd choice of words regarding this Sputnik moment um, during his State of the Union speech earlier in the week. Not surprisingly, I believe it ties in with the so-called alien UFO demonic deception that is at our doorstep right now. Before you seem to know where I'm going with this, please continue reading. First, for anyone who's new to look up fellowship or unfamiliar with the Christian perspective on the whole alien UFO thing, I'll simply say that such occurrences are real, but they have nothing to do with the little green men from outer space, and everything to do with demonic entities or deceiving spirits perhaps even connected to fallen angels and the Nephilim that we read about in Genesis 6, Genesis 6-4 specifically. I agree. In any event, there was some pretty big news on the front this past week. The words... Uh, UFO convention may conjure up images of all sorts of crazy things, but what about business professionals and politicians? If you're shaking your head in disbelief or rejection of such a notion, then obviously you haven't heard about the latest news of the alien UFO convention in the Global uh, Competitiveness Forum, which we've just reported on. Folks, this was the first time this has ever happened. The idea was to bring together a group of forward thinkers who share common interest in solving global challenges and push them to think big. Basically, even though the mainstream press is not covering it at all, the fact that a portion of the forum treated the subject of aliens and UFOs seriously with so many global heavy hitters in attendance speaks volumes. It legitimizes the entire subject even further and probably is a key component towards the process of, quote, full disclosure, which now seems closer than ever before. Okay, but who are some of the global heavy hitters who were in attendance, aside from some major CEOs? The most notable person there was probably former U.S. President Bill Clinton and uh, former Prime Minister Tony Blair. I didn't mention that earlier. I didn't realize that until I had read his article. But the people at this global competitiveness forum in Saudi Arabia... Bill Clinton was there. Former Prime Minister Tony Blair was there. I mean, that's that's a pretty heavy-duty endorsement. 
It's not a coincidence that this forum in Saudi Arabia and the unprecedented alien UFO content that was discussed by several of the world's business and political leaders directly coincided with President Obama's odd Sputnik moment phrase from his State of the Union address. And then we have the thing about the UFO over the Temple Mount as well, throwing that in. So, pretty heavy-duty stuff here. Next article is entitled, Prepare for This, a new online video game created and sponsored by FEMA prepares kids for aliens and UFOs and earthquakes. It's called The Day the Earth Shook. And it shows the little cutaway of the video game with a mothership and then the little little saucer coming down with an alien in it with one eye. It's like the all-knowing eye of Lucifer Horus. And it says, Welcome to Disasterville. And you can either pick your character, either girl or boy. I actually clicked on a video where the guy took you through this and the little alien comes down and actually helps you navigate and to prepare for the coming earth change disasters. Uh, Before I say anything more, I'll just go into the article. Yes, an online video game recently released on the state of Illinois' emergency preparedness website is said to be an earthquake preparedness game, one that also just happens to include aliens and UFOs, though. For years, many have said that full disclosure by the government wouldn't be so much a speech to the press, but a slow, gradual process of barely recognizing their existence through small, minor movements. Oh, okay, like the government's games for kids, perhaps? That's precisely what it is. More mass conditioning to the coming reality, a demonic deception. On the game's website, we're told about the goal, which says, quote, Help Alan and Majel Irwin survive an earthquake by building a survival kit finding all the safe and unsafe areas in their home, and learning to protect themselves. And what happens is the alien comes down out of the mothership, and it's instructing these kids exactly what to get in their home to build their own survival kit. So, in other words, the aliens are the ones that are giving the primary instructions on how to survive. Uh, That's on the video game's homepage in the About section we find this. Uh, And it says, quote, This project was commissioned by the Illinois Terrorism Task Force and the Illinois Emergency Management Management Agency to demonstrate a new educational approach for children to learn effective disaster preparedness and response strategies. Excuse me. The first simulation, The Day the Earth Shook, focuses on preparing for an earthquake, such an one that could occur along the New Madrid or the Wabash Valley seismic zones in southern Illinois. And there's been a lot of stuff in the last year about a pretending a potential earthquake that is going to happen in the New Madrid fault line, which kind of would split the United States right in half. Literally, I believe, from like Lake Michigan all the way down through uh, to like Louisiana. Um, it would it would it could be a really bad thing. And it's funny that they're 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 actually focusing on that area and um, preparing for an earthquake, such a one that could occur along the New Madrid or Wabash Valley seismic zones in southern Illinois. So this is the whole crux of the video game. The game was developed by Electronic Visualization Lab, otherwise known, the acronym is EVL, like evil. Nice. You know, not so subtle there. So, the game was developed by evil at the University of Illinois, Chicago, the National Center for Supercomputing Applications, and the Center for Public Safety and Justice, uh, Institute of Government and Public Affairs at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. 
The project was prepared under a grant from the Federal Emergency Management Agency's grant program directorate within the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. I mean, how many more governmental uh, things could put their stamp of approval on this? There's a good video on YouTube about this game, and it's worth watching too. And it's, it's kind of like a guy that goes up there and takes you through a little bit of the game, and you'll see how it plays out. And then, after they give you the link to the game, it says, An alien savior? Are you kidding me? See, this is just what we've been expecting, and seeing so much of lately from Hollywood, and now the federal government agency, known as FEMA, has now joined in. Which, really, that's the way the game is presented. The aliens are saviors. Uh, which is a very common theme in many of the shows that, that you know are on TV and Hollywood and these types of things. So this continues by saying, folks, seriously, what are the odds that in the span of a single week we have two FEMA-related news items that seem to suggest that they're prepping for some major earthquake and or catastrophic and unprecedented event here in the United States? I'd say this is FEMA fear-mongering at its best. As Christians, we need to rest on the truth in response to such a thing. Uh, Isaiah 43.1 says, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. Psalm 27 verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Luke 12.32 says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Matthew 28, I'm sorry, Matthew 10.28, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's a very pretty ominous verse there. Uh, but <clears throat> regarding the end times and these types of things, there's just some good verses to, uh, to think about. <clears throat> going further, let's go into the next article here. Now we're going to kind of segue a little bit off the alien theme. And we're going to discuss a little bit about, it's entitled, Somark's Chipless RFID Tattoo Field Demo Brings the Company Closer to Launch. This is from 215. Okay. Somark Innovations, Inc. recently completed a field demo of its patented chipless RFID ink tattoo animal ID system. Chipless. RFID, meaning radio frequency identifier, ink tattoo animal ID system. The demo proved the Somark system able to apply a tattoo in less than three seconds and read the tattoo, uh, meaning translate the tattoo into a unique ID with a handheld reader in real time. The demo was conducted at a private facility in the U.S. This is a giant leap for the company, said Mark uh, Panowski, Somark president. This demo proves our system's ability to function quickly and automatically. This technology combines features of several common technologies, including human tattoos, which are ink-based and inexpensive, chipless RFID. I mean, that's pretty heavy duty. I mean, radio frequency identifier implies an antenna system. I mean, even the ones that they've got in, that they embed in a lot of the products that you buy are some type of, uh, have some type of antenna in them. Well, this is a chipless RFID, which is machine-readable and of no line of sight, meaning that whatever cattle you're scanning, there could be something in between that particular cattle, like a wall or something, and you don't have to have line of sight, in other words, in order to read the unique identifier tattoo. 
Now, I'm sure that there's limitations on that, but uh, that's pretty impressive. Chipless RFID, machine-readable and of no line of sight, and then also the technology of biometrics, which are unique to the individual, like iris scanning, uh, fingerprints, palm vein scanning, those types of things will be like biometrics. And then hot iron brands, which are permanent and tamper-proof. Although potential applications includes cattle, pigs, horses, sheep, dogs, cats, mice, rats, and prime cuts of meat, our primary focus is humans. I mean cattle, sorry. (laughs) Sorry about that. Yeah, their primary focus is cattle. But honestly, how long until this technology, I mean, if, if they've got this technology now, I'm sure they've got far greater than it waiting in the wings. And uh, how long before, you know, everything's pretty much locked and loaded regarding the potential technology of the Mark of the Beast. So Mark is targeting the livestock industry to help identify and track cattle. Well, when the Antichrist comes, you can just insert Antichrist. The Antichrist is targeting the humans in order to help identify and track them like cattle. <laughs> That's pretty much what it's going to be. <clears throat> and they'll be able to track you via GPS. So there'll really be no way to get away from that unless, you know, you <clears throat> find some way to get rid of the implant. So Mark, so, um, and by doing this, they will mitigate export trade loss from bovine spongiform encephalopathy, which is mad cow disease. Okay, when you see BSE, Stands for bovine spongiform encephalopathy. It's BSC scares and also knows cow disease. So anyway, I give you the four links to the teachings I've done that kind of relate to the subject. The hexagram and the mark of the beast. And I relate to that that it will most likely be some type of microchip implant with some type of tattoo in addition. Because it's going to be a mark and I believe people will be able to identify you. Yet it's also going to have to be able to store uh, everything that you would need to buy, sell, or trade. And I Maybe they can figure out some way to do it with a tattoo totally, but I just don't know how you're going to change the functional aspects of a tattoo. Uh, The King James Bible renders it, the mark will be in the right hand or forehead. So, right hand or forehead. So, it would also imply more of an implant if you go by the King James Bible. And they're the only ones that really render it that way. So, I give you one entitled the hexagram and the mark of the beast. The hexagram is not a... Christian or Jewish good symbol. It is one of the highest, uh, most powerful symbols of witchcraft. And we unequivocally prove that in that particular teaching. I tell you how that relates to the Mark of the Beast. And then I did one on the implantable microchip and the national ID in the Mark. And I'm not saying the national ID is the Mark of the Beast. It's just the forerunner to it. Or just one step in that direction, I should say. Next article is entitled, Watchers Science to to Produce Gay Gattaca. Brookings Institute begins legal framework for genetically engineering homosexual kids. Yes, this is true. Now, I'm going to give you a rundown on what what is Gattaca. Okay, Gattaca is a 1997 American science fiction written and directed by Andrew Nicole. The film presents a vision of society driven by liberal eugenics where potential children are selected through pre-implant pre-implantation genetic diagnosis to ensure they possess the best hereditary traits of their parents. Uh, On the clips I've seen of the movie, um, basically they show the parents like in front of a doctor and the doctor will say, um, well listen, 
we're taking the best genetics we have from both the the um, father and the mother, or the dad and the mom, and we are going to genetically engineer like the best of all attributes of you two together into a single egg. And you can even, from that point, they've got several uh, fertilized eggs that you can choose from. It's like designer babies. You can choose from um, <clears throat> down to eye color, hair color, um, short, tall, whatever you want, male, female. They've got it all engineered. And this is how people have children in the future. Now, again, this, this goes into the whole thing of trans, um, transhumanism and these types of things where they're literally designing and um, uh, designing humanity okay, to suit the whoever's specific needs. And this, is, this show um, is very, very draconian and uh, incredibly creepy. Okay? Um, so, the, the children are selected through pre-implementation genetic diagnosis to ensure they possess the best hereditary traits of their parents. A genetic registry database uses biometrics to instantly identify and classify those so created as valids, while those conceived by traditional means are derisively known as invalids. And okay, the ones that are valids are the ones that are made basically like test tube babies. Okay, uh, created specifically in the lab. Um, there's no, there's nothing having to do with any kind of sex at this point, any kind of procreation. It is literally, you know, uh, a chemistry program essentially. It's 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 a it's playing God is what it is. And those parents who are audacious and terrible enough to actually do it the way the Lord, actually have children the way the Lord, um, obviously, through marriage, through the, through, um, the institution of marriage, um, those people, if they have children, they're known as invalids. Okay? While genetic discrimination is forbidden by law, in, in the show at least, in practice it is easy to profile a person's genotype resulting in valids qualifying for professional employment while invalids who are considered to be more susceptible to physical, intellectual, and psychological dysfunction and underperformance are relegated to menial jobs. Now, um, in the show, there's a scene where the boy the um, is born and as soon as he is born, it showed um, his parents had him the normal way, okay, through, you know, normal sexual union, this type of thing. It shows him being born, and immediately when he's born, they do some blood sample on his heel. They instantly plug that into a computer that tells all of the bad stuff about him, essentially. I guess it would register good stuff about him. From a genetic standpoint, basically the bottom line, what it was, is he had, he, uh, because of his poor, he's had all this massive risk of, of, of heart failure. And it said that there was a 99% probability that he would die by the age of 30 because of his heart. And then it, he went over this other laundry list of things, bad things about him. Okay. When the father, the dad, saw this, he went from, he was going to name him after himself, you know, like my proud son. Well, he immediately changed his name to another name that was not his because he didn't want his name being associated with this inferior uh, child that they had just produced. And then the next scene, you'll see 
the uh, evidently the, the voice of reason, and they finally came to their senses. So they went into the this uh, uh, I don't know doctor who specialized, and evidently there was a whole lot of them during this movie that did this. And the doctor, what he did is he was going over all their options, and evidently they had already given their eggs, she had given her eggs, and he had given his sperm, and they had already produced several different eggs, and he was going over, okay, this egg, if you if you choose to um, uh, gestate and bring this egg to, you know, fruition, then it'll have these traits, this hair color, this eye color, and then this egg has this, and they're all the best of you. And so then they have a baby that way. Well, they grow up, his brother is like, you know, superior to him in every way, shape, and form, essentially. He grows quicker, he's taller, he's more athletic, he's smarter, the whole nine yards. And the other one is is inferior in a lot of different ways, and then ultimately he ends up leaving home, and he can't get a job anywhere but other than, like, a janitor. And he finds... Anyway, the, 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 it's, it's a whole play on this whole theme. It's very, very... Uh, it's a, it's just a very sad type of thing that people would be treated in such a manner, you know, uh, humanity in general, and in, in the in it's just a, a elitist type of society. It's really the type of society that the New World Order would love to have, where you have a very elite functioning class that control all the inferior classes, and you have a super elite, and then you have a super poverty class, and that's pretty much the the picture. That they paint also very very draconian regarding Big Brother, uh, regarding you know control and these types of things. And not a show I recommend watching or anything like that. I'm just saying I'm kind of giving you an overview here. Uh, while genetic discrimination is forbidden by law, in practice it is easy to profile a person's genotype, resulting in the valids qualifying for professional employment. While the invalids, who are considered to be more susceptible to physical, intellectual, and psychological dysfunction and underperformance, are relegated to menial jobs. It shows him, he goes in and he tries to get a job at like a semi-decent place, and they offer him some water, and what they're trying to do is get his DNA. Because as soon as they scan his DNA, they can know who he is, and exactly what his risks are, and what, you know... I mean, they're, they're supposedly they can tell you like if you're at risk of being an alcoholic and all this other stuff. When a lot of these things that they're saying like that boils down to demonic issues, okay, generational um, sins, you know, and and generational demonic baggage, okay. And obviously they can't develop a test for that, but supposedly you know they act like they've got everything figured out. Uh, the movie draws on concerns over reproductive technologies which facilitate eugenics and the possible consequences of such technological developments for society. The title is based on the initial letters of the four DNA nitrogenous bases, meaning Gattaca, uh, adenine, cytonine, guanine, and thymine. During the credits, the letters G, C, T, and A are highlighted in the word Gattaca. Okay, and that's, again, that has to do with the four DNA nitrogenous bases. Okay, the, the four building blocks of DNA, in other words. And that's what it's all about. Manipulating DNA. Playing God, which is going to be one of the coming essences of the New World Order. You know, we, how are we going to become as gods unless we let, you know, other entities play God, essentially? And, and this is what a lot of this garbage that we see is moving toward. We have the genetic modification of crops and animals. and Just defiling God's creation is what we're, we're in reference to here. So, 
during um, this, going back to the main article, Larry and David come to realize that they would prefer to have a male child that shares their sexual orientation. Larry and David discuss with the doctors the feasibility of screening embryos they create with Margie's eggs. Now, this is real, what I'm talking about now. Okay, Gattaca was a, f- a film about the future, the way I think if the Antichrist had his way, this would be the way things all turned out. Not to say it's not going to be that bad in the future, but in this particular uh, scenario we're looking at here, Larry and David, two gay guys, come to realize they would prefer to have a male child that shares their sexual orientation. Larry and David discuss with their doctors the feasibility of screening the embryos they create with Margie's eggs for male genes linked to homosexual orientation, which, I, you know, every bit of research I've done proves that doesn't exist. All the research that supposedly proves a gay gene has been sponsored by gay people trying to prove that and trying to prove that we're born that way, which is total garbage. You may be born with the demons that influence you to be a sodomite or to be a homosexual or bisexual, but there is no gay gene that they would like you to believe exists. That does not exist. That research is flawed. I've proven that in the studies we've done on homosexuality, and that's been proven from a scientific manner. Even the gay people, uh, the, the, the gay researchers that have engaged in this, admitted they couldn't prove it. Okay, so that's a lie. And then it goes on, but see, if they say that, then you think, well, that must exist. No, it doesn't. It's a lie. But what does that do? If you believe that there are genes linked to homosexual orientation, if you believe that for one second, you've just legitimized the whole homosexual movement. Well, they can't help it. it it's, it's just, they, they can't help it. They were born that way. No. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It's a proven fact that the vast majority of homosexuals and um, were abused by a same-sex adult at an early age. It is a gigantically high correlation that that happens, where they are actually literally seated with these demons. Okay, in other words, little kid growing up, seven or eight, his perverted uncle comes, you know, sodomizes the kid. He's literally implanting devils and demons of the same orientation as him, into that child. And it's a proven fact that most homosexuals were sexually abused by same-sex partner at an early age. It's a gigantic common denominator. Now, in that regard, you know, I, I agree from a demonic standpoint that that, that is, um, but it has nothing to do with genetics other than the sins of the forefather being carried to the third and fourth generations of them that hate God, as the Bible talks about in, in even the Old Testament. So, you can obviously inherit demonic baggage from your parents. Okay? Um, Going further, it says, the clinic doctors are experts in embryo screening and alteration, but cannot guarantee that the resulting embryos will in fact turn out to be homosexual. I mean, this is so sickening. To increase the certainty, though, they insert additional, and I put in their supposed gay gene sequences in the embryos before they are placed in Janus which would be like the broodmother incubator. Okay, because, I mean, obviously two gay guys can't have a kid. God didn't create, you know, Adam and Steve. He created Adam and Eve. Okay, it's all totally an abomination and totally unnatural and totally 
condemned and forbidden in the Bible, in the Old Testament, you took them out and you stoned them. They were, that was, it was a death sentence. You know, it was right on par with witchcraft or whatever. Because the Bible is very clear that when you have child sacrifice and homosexuality or bisexuality or whatever you want to call it, it pollutes the land. It literally defiles and curses the land. And, you know, that's what the Bible says. So, um, going further, it says, embryos not used will be frozen for later use or for stem cell technology to create eggs from Larry's skin cells so that the resulting child would be the genetic offspring of both Larry and David. Oh, this is just so disgusting. Perverse. Perverted. Ugh. Anyway, the techniques to be used will be IVF, which stands for in vitro fertilization, egg donation, and a gestational surrogate and are now all widely available, as is embryo screening for genetic disease and gender, Okay, which again, which is what they heavily emphasized on the show Gattaca, and as a result, same-sex marriage is likely to be soon recognized as a federal, federal constitutional right. Not just a state right, but a federal right, so it would be a federal crime to speak out against it. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. This is what is happening with our government on an increasing basis. They're calling evil good and good evil. And, you know, this is unfortunately the, the direction that this country is heading. Next article is entitled, TSA Wants to Probe Your Mind. If you're unhappy with the choice between having the TSA porno scan you or sexually assault you through those invasive pat-downs, this might also... Not make you happy. The TSA is trying to read your mind as well. Since June of 2003, it's been monitoring travelers' facial expressions and body language for signs that they might be hiding something. As of March 2010, the TSA screening passengers by observational techniques, or SPOT program, had 3,000 behavioral detection officers in more than 150 airports. I didn't even know this was going on. Their job is to strike up conversations with passengers at security checkpoints, awaiting for that one TSA official, for what one TSA official describes as, quote, behaviors that show you're trying to get away with something you shouldn't be doing, end of quote. People who don't display normal airport behavior may be stopped for questioning. I mean, this is just insanity. SPOT is based largely on the work of Paul Ekman, a behavioral scientist who has spent his career identifying micro-expressions, which are twitches lasting between 1 50th and 1 25th of a second that reveal intentionally concealed emotions. Ekman's methods have been used by the animators of Toy Story and Shrek and celebrated by Malcolm Gladwell, and they inspired the Fox TV series, Lie to Me, whose main character is a human lie detector who thrives on confrontations with sociopaths and murderers. That's a far cry from Ekman himself, who is an unassuming 77-year-old who makes no claims of infallibility. He says, quote, I'm never absolutely certain, he says, sitting in the San Francisco loft. And then it says, quote, I can't tell you what triggers an emotion. I can only tell you to recognize an emotion even when someone doesn't want you to recognize it, end of quote. In other words, in the way that this Fox TV series lied to me, I watched part of an episode just to see what it was. The way they portray this guy, 
he's real weird, but they basically portray him like a human lie detector that, that you can't ever, ever fool, ever. Like, in other words, he just can read your mind, almost. You can't get anything by this guy. And, I mean, he's, I mean, as far as I can see, um, he's really demonically, has some serious demonic issues, okay? But yet, he's this human lie detector that goes around, supposedly on the side of righteousness, you know, doing good as he sees fit. In April of 2008, spot officers stopped an army vet carrying bomb-making supplies at an Orlando airport. Beyond that, Spot has not reported its agents picking out any other people identify, identified as would-be terrorists. So, it's been going on for how long? 2003? And only in 2008, they stopped an army vet carrying bomb-making supplies. In an or- they would have picked that guy up anyway. If he was carrying bomb-making supplies, they would have picked that up in the, uh, in the x-ray. Right? I mean, or the metal detector. So that's that's the only thing they've got to to you know this is what I mean these things are are joke they're just there to take away our rights they're not stopping anything I, I told you before how it's such a joke where that that one um, airport airplane pilot he filmed the door that all the people from bag, baggage claim went through and there was there was a swipe card they could take a, a literal C four bomb and put it on the plane and nobody would even know it. I mean, these are the guys that load the luggage, work on the plane prior to flight, that fuel it up in these types of things. They don't go through anything. And yet, everyone else above are treated like terrorists and have to go through either the porno scanner or the invasive pat-down, and or both. They're treated like, and they're paying for this. And the people that are being paid to be there, the ones that have the absolute most access to a plane, they're not even screened. Just a swipe card. And they could put anything on the plane. It's an absolute farce and joke. This whole TSA garbage. So, going further, um, in reviewing the program, the Government Accountability Office concluded that, quote, a scientific consensus does not exist on whether behavior detection principles can be reliably used for counterterrorism purposes. But the TSA already has plans for taking its face-scanning program high-tech. It sunk $20 million into developing future attribute screening technology, which is a computerized version of the behavioral observation system that will use cameras to scan travelers' expressions and match them with a digital database of micro-expressions. In that show, Gattaca, just it's so bad that when you go into work, you have to put your thumb or your finger on this little thing. You're like these turnstiles. You go through the turnstile, you put your little finger on this thing, and it doesn't scan your fingerprint. It literally, a little needle comes up in... in and jabs your finger, and it gets a blood sample, and identifies you genetically if you're that person, or if you're the person that you say you are to work there. I mean, it is so big brother. I mean, and this guy finds some way, this workaround around it, which is just, you know, unbelievable. But, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty uh, pretty bad stuff. Going further, but the TSA already has plans... Oh, no, I already said that, sorry. Uh, that, let's see here. All right, hold on, let, let me read this. But the TSA already has plans for taking its face-scanning program high-tech. It's sunk $20 million into developing the future attribute screen technology. Okay, again, which would scan travelers' expressions and match them with a digital database of micro-expressions. So this is that whole thing on... Uh, that guy on that guy on Lie to Me. You know, they're going to have computers, though, doing it instead of humans. 
And then it goes, that, Ekman says, is where the government might be taking things too far. He says, quote, don't try to get the human out of the system, he warns. He recalls how when training officers at the Boston Logan International Airport helped help question a man who had been acting radically. It turned out the passenger's brother had just died and he was flying home for the funeral. A machine might have labeled the grieving man a security threat, of course, but Ekman got to the truth in more efficiently and personably. So, in other words, there's all kind of potential for abuse with that particular system if that's implemented. Next article, UN ordered depopulation of 3 billion people by food maltrition malnutrition has started. Um, now, I'm going to give you some verses here. Revelation 6, 5. And when he had opened the third seal, okay, so we're well into the tribulation here, when he'd opened the third seal, and I heard the third beast say, come and see, and I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, a measure of wheat for a penny and, a, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Okay, now, we really need to kind of look at what does the word measure and what does the word penny mean. Because it doesn't mean like a penny we have in America. It means something different. Because remember, this was written, you know, the, with the 1611 Bible. We need to go back and research what do those actual words mean. The underlying Greek meaning of the word measure Okay, um, which is derived from the from the Greek word choenix, is a is the the meaning of it is a dry measure containing two sarati, which is less than a quart, or as much as would support a man of moderate appetite for a day. Okay, now. So we know what a measure means. It's essentially as much as would support a man of moderate appetite for a day. Enough. Uh, in this particular case, wheat or barley. Okay. Now, what is a penny? Okay, a penny is derived from the word denarion, which was a Roman silver coin in New Testament time called a denarius. It was the principal silver coin of the Roman Empire. From the parable of the laborers in the vineyard, it would seem that a denarius was then the ordinary pay for a day's wages. So, in other words, if if it, it's going to get so bad, and again, we're not into the tribulation yet, the third seal, the first seal hasn't been loosed, and, the, and surely the third seal hasn't been loosed, but it's going to get so bad at some point during the tribulation that um, if you're in regard to wheat, it's going to cost you a full day's wages just for um, a measure of wheat, which is just going to be enough to feed you for the day. In other words, every bit of money that you would make during this particular time period would maybe just be enough if you could find the food for you to buy just enough to eat for one day. And that's just you. Okay? Um, that's, that's pretty bad. That's 100% of everything you'd make going toward food and then you would have no other money left for anything else. So, um, I had a listener say, if we have wisdom, we should prepare for this like God instructed Joseph to do. Really good verse. Genesis 41, 34. Let Pharaoh do this, and let him appoint officers over the land, and take up a fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that come, and lay up the corn under the hand of Pharaoh, and let them keep 
food in the cities, and that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, and the land perish, and the land perish not through the famine. And it's funny because in most of the Bible commentaries out there are predicting a seven year tribulation. Okay, it really hasn't been until recently I've heard every, a lot of people saying, oh, it's only three and a half years. Okay, but for years and years and years, it was just an assumed fact that it was seven years. Now, again, I don't want to give a big theological debate about that. Okay, but um, it, it's interesting that there's seven, the Lord's instructing them to, su- to store up food um, in the seven plenteous years so you have food in the seven years of famine. He's instructing um, Joseph in this way. And uh, and that food shall be for the store for the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. And Proverbs 6, 6 says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise, which having no guide or overseer or ruler, provideth her meat, meaning food, in the summer, and that's when you typically will gather, and gathereth her food in the harvest. Okay, so... Why? Well, so that you have food to eat in the winter when there when there is no harvest. Okay. Um, so again, you know, there's a lot of other Bible verses in the New Testament. You know, take no heed for the day thereof. Sufficient the days, sufficient of the, the evil in the day thereof. You know, these types of verses and in, in thinking about you know neither food nor raiment or, or those types of things. So I understand there's a biblical balance that you need to strike. These aren't things that you need to be constantly obsessing and worrying about. The Bible says in the New Testament, be careful for nothing. That word in the King James actually literally means full of care, okay, for these types of things. But there's also other verses, and and it's good to have biblical balance here, okay? And again, here's another verse. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Uh, A prudent man is also going to foresee the evil and prepare. Uh, The Bible says also in 1 Timothy 5.8, but if any... Provide not for his own. And this is more in relation to, I really believe, the man of the house, in, in primarily at least. But if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Wow. That's kind of a scary verse. Denying the faith and worse than an infidel? You know, that by itself, you know, you want to think twice about doing absolutely nothing. To prepare, you know. So, anyway, let's go further. Just some verses to think about there. This is um, uh, regarding this depopulation uh, famine thing. While investigating the WHO and the UN role, the WHO meaning the World Health Organization, UN meaning the United Nations, while uh, investigating their role in the biological weapons attack called the AH1N1 swine flu pandemic of 2009, it was really never a pandemic, but... We reported on that heavily, heavily. Many, many teachings we did on that. Criminal intelligence agents from Canada and the U.S. have stumbled upon a covert and sinister plan to kill off as many as 3 billion people by food malnutrition. The organization that is responsible for preparing for the murder of 3 billion people is called Codex Alimentarius Commission. Now, I've reported on them many, many times. I've known about them for probably well over 10 years. It was established in 1963 by the World Health Organization and the Food and Agricultural Organization of the United Nations. So, two of the most wicked, evil organizations, you know, a corrupt tree is known by its fruit, form one of the most draconian, corrupt uh, uh, commissions that has ever existed regarding 
food and vitamins and minerals and these types of things, called the Codex Alimentarius Commission. Their official stated purpose is to develop international food standards to protect consumer health and to facilitate fair trading practices in food. Today, there are 181 member governments, including Canada. Um, criminal intelligence agents have uncovered the real purpose of the of this organization to murder 3 billion people. It was Henry Kissinger who in 1974 conceived the idea of the food genocide to control world population. Less people to consume world resources, more for the rich nations uh, and elites to exploit the sources of the world to satisfy their greed. On December 10, 1974, the U.S. National Security Council under Henry Kissinger prepared a classified study entitled National Security Study Memorandum 200, I give you a link here if you want to see the whole thing, which falsely claimed that the worldwide population growth poses a great threat to U.S. national security interests. The U.S. Air Force weapon of mass destruction military installation called HARP is active and is responsible for causing recent earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, heat waves, and monsoon rainfall that have caused major flooding. And again, I don't think you can totally blame it, but... It could by itself do a whole lot of those things. The government has admitted, uh, world governments have admitted since the early 1970s that they have the ability to control weather, um, create volcanoes, earthquakes, uh, abate hurricanes, create rainfall, you know, you name it. They can pretty much do it. And I've read the quotes from those documents that prove that in times past. Uh, let's see here. Classified UN documents reveal that 1 billion people will be killed by starvation as the UN trade agreements and the WHO health moratoriums will forbid any country from selling and exporting any food to targeted regions so that they can depopulate them. Starvation of 3 billion people has already begun as the United States has been using its weapons of mass destruction called HARP to control, alter, and intensify the weather of the targeted nations. Now, uh, I know they've really targeted these Jesse Ventura conspiracy theory videos. Um... You probably can still find it up on YouTube, though. Just key in Jesse Ventura and Harp, or Conspiracy Theory and Harp, H-A-A-R-P. And you, it'll, it gives you a very good synopsis of what that is and what it's capable of. This past summer, Harp was used to create a heat wave in Russia. Now, again, I'm not sure how exactly they're proving this, but this is what they're saying. It was used to create a heat wave in Russia, resulting in near-complete destruction of its crops. Also this past summer, the U.S. used HARP to cause massive flooding in China and Pakistan, which was an attempt to wipe out the crops of China and Pakistan, resulting in mass starvation of their populations. Uh, Two billion more will be murdered by diseases and illnesses associated with malnutrition from crop destruction, pasteurization, and irradiation. Yeah, you heard that right, pasteurization and irradiation. The Codex Alimentarius Commission, I will discuss that more in a second. The Codex Alimentarius Commission will be responsible for causing disease and illness from malnutrition by implementing the two later killing instruments. The Codex Alimentarius Commission has begun this process by labeling, and this is unbelievable, but it is true. They have begun this process by labeling life-sustaining nutrients, vitamins, minerals, and enzymes in our foods as poisons. Yes, They've done this. This just pretty much came into effect. They're labeling Codex Alimentarius, this satanic, devil, Luciferian uh, agenda, which we should pray against. And there's a lot of things in there 
we should come against it because they're pure, it's pure evil. They have actually started labeling life-sustaining nutrients, vitamins, minerals, and enzymes in our foods as poisons. Well, if they can label them as poisons, then they can regulate it, right? That's why they're doing it. Now that nutrients are classified as poisons, they have been given the authority by the United Nations to eradicate all nutrients in our foods. They want to create a weak, sickly, dumbed-down, poisoned population. And between you know the fluoride and the chlorine and all the other garbage they're putting in the water, all the garbage they're putting in, in the foods, I mean, you know, you look at soft drinks, high fructose corn syrup, NutraSweet or Asperitane, which is a neurotoxin. You got the fluoride and the chlorine in the water there. And you got the aluminum from the can. I mean, there's so much garbage and evil stuff they're doing to the food. It's devoid totally of nutrients. It, most of this stuff will totally burn out your adrenal glands. And a lot of it's laden with high fructose corn syrup, which fries your pancreas, causes cancer, and gives you candida to boot. I mean, you could go on and on and on about this stuff. But... Um, they can now eliminate and eradicate all nutrients in our foods. They have already begun the eradication process by pasteurizing, which means exposing to high heat, and irritating, exposing to massive radiation, most of the food. I mean, you pasteurize something, you're killing all the, the enzymes, you're, you're denaturing a lot of the things in there, you're, you're destroying and altering the minerals and the vitamins in there. It's just, you know, and it's all by design. Uh, let's see here. Milk was the first to be targeted for eradication as milk is one of the most important life-sustaining substances on earth. I know there's a lot of controversy about milk, but raw milk in its natural form is highly beneficial. Okay, And you can go up to the Weston Price Foundation and read about milk. Okay, Granted, the milk they sell now is pasteurized and homogenized and polluted and tainted with dead parasite carcasses and all kind of the, the milk's dirty because what the the way they get around that is they just pasteurize it so they kill it. but there's all kind of dead parasite carcasses and crap I'm sorry stuff in the milk okay well that's what happens you know and and when it when you drink things that with all kind of dead things floating in it dead parasite carcasses dead bacteria dead whatever white blood cells from the pus on the udders and then they get infected it's really nasty. When you drink that, then you're going to cause allergic reactions. You're going to cause sometimes autoimmune reactions. It's really, really bad stuff. But they can get away with that because they can just pasteurize it. So, well, it's sterile now with all kind of garbage in it. And not only that, then they give the cows antibiotics constantly so that if one gets sick, the whole herd doesn't die. The antibiotics are in the milk. They also give them all kind of growth. Uh, well, not all cows, but or some of the cows don't have it, but they do a lot with the growth hormone and this type of thing. And... and um, hormonally altering the cow's chemistry so that the cow can produce milk year-round and produce way more than it would normally produce. It's all about money in production. So, you could, I could do a whole teaching on milk, you know, but it's, it's just, um, when it says here, milk was the first to be targeted for eradication as milk is one of the most important life-sustaining substances on earth. Raw milk from organic cows, I would agree. Okay, which if you think about it, if you were just to go out in a field and there, there was just a cow grazing and it wasn't, no, we're not talking factory farming here. Okay, cow out in the field, grass fed, they're not meant to eat grains, grass fed cows, they're meant to eat grass. Okay, their milk, I mean, is just loaded 
with all kind of beneficial uh, substances. But what we have in the stores is the farthest cry from that. Okay, so just something to think about there. Um, Let's see here. Let's go further. Now that nutrients are classified as poisons, they've been given the authority by the United Nations to eradicate all nutrients in our foods. Now, I'm telling you, this is another thing you might want to think about stocking up on. Real, whole food vitamins. You know, I like innate and and complete life. I think they're the best, closest thing. Every single vitamin and mineral they use in there is literally derived from a food. Okay? They're the vitamins that I I take and that I recommend. I also recommend Standard Process. Standard Process has some very good niche products. But overall, if like you were just going to do a multivitamin, you'd want to look at something like Complete Life from Right Foods. Um, innate has one. Really, you, Innate, I-N-N-A-T-E, and Right Foods are sister companies. I don't know why they've got two companies. But they're sister companies. They're... They, they just make little different flavors of the same stuff. They use the same technology. Um, the Intramax that I've advertised before is like an all-in-one type of thing, a liquid. That's also very good um, uh, derived from plants and these types of things. That's another. That's another really good one. Uh, and I'll be honest, they are they are pricier and they're than anything you're going to get at Walmart. But you're going to pay for quality. And the problem is, is the garbage that you get at Walmart or a drugstore or most health food stores, um, you're going to be getting synthetic vitamins, which are literally made in chemical laboratories. They're stored in 50-gallon vats, and you know they like the B vitamins are made from coal tar extract. And you're essentially just they what they do is they throw them all together and they call it a multivitamin. It's it's synthetic chemicals. They're maybe a notch above drugs. And they will literally cause side effects, and they will deplete other things in your system. So, as far as multivitamins goes, those are the ones that I recommend. Innate, Right Foods, and Intramax. And um, those are the ones, you know, we didn't have this ability to create whole food, food, what we call food state vitamins up until recently. Now, there's also a lot of really good green foods that are available. Um, Steve Quayle advertises some on his site, and that's another route that you can go. The one thing about them is you may not be getting the full spectrum of vitamins and minerals, um, so it's good to supplement with a good food state, organic, multivitamin, mineral complex at bare minimum. And these are things you might want to think about stocking up on, uh, because I don't know how long you're going to have access to them. I don't know how long you're going to have access to the silver that I've recommended. And yes, I still am running that special on the 5,000 part per million silver. So if you're interested in that or the, any of these other things, just email me and, and I'll get you the, um, the links to them. Uh, because I really don't know how much longer we're going to have access to this stuff. And I know it's a lot to take in. And I know some people aren't in a position where they can buy anything. And I'm not saying God can't provide for your needs and, you know, like many times in the Bible where, where people had n- literally nothing and God provided for their needs. He's still the same God today, yesterday, and forever. So, everybody's in different situations. If you're confused about what to do, get into the Word of God, pray and fast about it. And get your answer, you know, from the Lord. So, going further, let's see here. Uh, they have already begun the eradication process by pasteurizing milk. Um, 
milk is packed full of vitamins, minerals, and enzymes in its raw form, all essential for keeping us healthy and alive. The next thing they started to taint was eggs, another very important food that keeps us very healthy and alive. With the recent false declarations of E. coli contamination in fruits and vegetables, the member nations of Codex Alimentarius Commission have been ordered to pasteurize or irritate all fruits and vegetables. Well, when you irritate it, you're exposing them to... I mean, the radiation is so much further than anything you would even get like from an x-ray, or probably even a CAT scan. It's massive. Massive. You are absolutely altering the DNA structure when you irradiate anything. You're, you're, you're destroying the DNA, or, or the, the genetic structure, I should say, of fruits and vegetables. You're altering them in a very, very horrific way, creating all kind of free radical production um, in the fruit, in, in just, it's, or in vegetables. It's just horrific what they're doing. Um, going further here, uh, and then it goes on to say, why? Pasteurization, irrigation destroys all of the nutritional value of the food. These processes don't eliminate the microorganism they claim they are killing in our food. It kills the organisms and everything else, including the vitamin, mineral, and enzyme content of the food. Furthermore, pasteurization and irrigation doesn't clean or filter out bad organisms in our food. It just kills them. And when we drink or eat pasteurized or irritated foods and beverages, we are consuming the dead, rotting, and d- diseases and illnesses ca- causing bodies of the organisms. Remember what I said about dead parasite carcasses in milk? Well, see, an organic farmer that's making raw organic milk has to go out of his way to make sure the cows that he's milking are clean, to not have feces on the udders and things like that. Now, I grew up on a dairy farm, okay? Now, granted, I don't remember every single thing about what was going on there, but I used to go back in the summers. And I can remember going there to the milking parlor, as they refer to it. And, you know, you'd have, I remember his name was Jess. He had his hand, he got his hand caught in one of those augers, and he had one of those hook hands. You know, I mean, these guys were hardcore farmers. They're still... It was like the second largest independent uh, dairy farm in Ohio. Still, still going, though, generational. But I'd go in there and they have all these cows, you know, and they're stomping through all the feces and stuff. And they're, you know, they get them in the little little carousel line. And they, they what they did is they sprayed this stuff on their udders. And I remember it was like a, like a orange, and it had to be just pure chemicals. They're spraying the stuff on the udders. And that was the only prepping that was done before they put those milking machine things on the udders that would literally suck onto the udders and get the milk out. And I'm thinking, ew, all that chemical that they just sprayed on the udders, they didn't really clean the udders. The feces that they're stomping around in, which has E. coli on it, which is deadly, but then they pasteurize it and it kills it. But all the parasites that could be in the feces and all the stuff, and then that chemical, and I'm thinking, oof. Even back then, I knew there was something wrong, you know, but that's the way they do it. Now, an organic farmer that's getting raw milk will not do that because he cannot afford to have his milk contaminated because they'd be all over him like a cheap suit, you know, for any type of little tiny minor violation. But the people in the regular dairy industry can get away with all this other stuff and not even have to worry about it because they just pasteurize it. So, and again, this is why so many people have milk allergies, Okay, and then this would also cross over to dairy products in general. Cheese and, and cottage cheese and whatever. Okay, so things to think about. Okay, so 
Because all the vitamins, minerals, and enzymes have been destroyed by pasteurization and irradiation, your body has a very hard time stopping or fighting off disease and illnesses caused by consuming dead and rotting organisms. In the investigation of the WHO, the UN plans for murdering 3 million people, there is one region of the world that seems to have been exempted. The only region that is not being targeted for mass depopulation are the countries that are made up of old Europe. Why everyone else but old Europe? Because Now, this is according to them. I'm not saying this is exactly, you know, truth straight from the Lord Jesus Christ, but this is their take on it, okay? What they're saying is that uh, because according to information written in the classified UN documents, Canada, the US, China, Russia, Pakistan, and the Middle East and Africa are nations populated with people who are considered inferior races. The only superior race of people is the Aryan race, or what Hitler would refer to as the fifth root race. Well, that's, the, that's the race he wanted to bring about, the fifth root race, as he referred to it as. Anyway... Um, Adolf Hitler started World War II to reinstate the Aryans as a master race of Indo-Europeans. Now, remember, Hitler was put there. He didn't just all of a sudden rise to power in and of himself. He had a lot of financial backing behind him, primarily the pharmaceutical uh, conglomerates and chemical companies of IG Farben, which essentially branched off into different com- country companies after the war, one of them being Bayer, as in Bayer Aspirin, who's one of the most wicked companies on the planet, and BASF, uh, they had that theme, we don't make the proxy buy, we make the proxy buy better, I believe was their theme, and then one other company, but anyway, um, you know, I don't want to say this in and of itself, Hitler was able to pull this off himself, because he wasn't, okay, um, anyway, uh, the Aryans are supposed to be the Nordic in appearance and directly ancestral to the Germans. During World War II, Nazi SS officers and soldiers were put in charge of slaughtering all inferior races of people by whatever means possible, including war, famine, poison, biological diseases, and mass executions. Today, the UN has been put in charge of slaughtering as many as 3 billion people. Now, they emphasize this whole German thing. And again, when it comes to this, I don't ever say it's just them. Like, uh, there's a lot of people, it's just the Jesuits, it's just the Catholics, okay, or it's just the Illuminati, or it's just the Zionist. now it's just the Germans. No, it's a worldwide conspiracy with, if you look at a pyramidal structure, which is essentially the hierarchy of the satanic hierarchy, I mean, you just look at the back of a $1 bill and on the, on the very top capstone, you got the all-knowing eye of Horus or Lucifer up there. He's at the very top. Fallen angels below him, demons, devils, and then you get into, you know, the various human organizations that exist on planet Earth in order to carry out their master, who is Satan's agenda and plan. And yes, there are other there are organizations that are more powerful than others. You know, how, okay, where do the ascended, supposed ascended masters fit into that hierarchy? Are the Jesuits higher than them? Are the Zionists higher? You know, I know there's a lot of charts out there that people have put out there saying, it's this order. Okay, well, there's a lot of conflicting information about that. Lots. Okay, you know, are we really privy to know exactly? Does it really matter that bad? You know, I've heard, you know, the Rothschilds are at the very, 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 very top of the food chain. They're the most powerful family of the Illuminati. They're the most powerful banking family in the Illuminati. I mean, I've heard all kinds of stuff about them. 
And, you know, if there's, we could sit here and debate all year about that. Is it really going to solve a whole lot? I mean, granted, yeah, to know how to target our prayers, they're all wicked at that level. You know, I mean, so, again, I just wanted to kind of throw that in there. I'm not saying, you know, there's not validity. But in this particular case, they're really targeting on the Germans, okay? And, and yes, I do think there is a Nazi, Aryan, fifth root race wanting to bring about component of the New World Order. No doubt about it, okay? And I think it has a lot to do with this whole... Becoming as gods and going from the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius and, you know, genetically engineering, you know, this perfect race. But it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be demonically possessed, essentially. So, going further, it says, Very few people realize the UN was created by former high-ranking politicians and war criminal officers of Nazi Germany. The UN was formed to bring about the global unrest Once global unrest was achieved, a new world order governed by the four principles of the Fourth Reich, which would be one leader, one budget, one program, one office would be implemented. The Nazi-formed United Nations launched the Delivering as One initiative in 2007, which they, they term as the Fourth Reich. Today, Germany is once again the leader of the new and Fourth Reich. A former Nazi German youth, Joseph Ratzinger, Ratzinger, who is the current pope, served the Third Reich for at least four years. I've also heard the same thing about Pope John Paul II, and given some pretty compelling proof of that, that he was essentially a Nazi, and served in that particular way. So, yeah, you know, I wouldn't have any problem believing that. The Nazi war criminals also formed many of the international and national organizations we have today, including NATO, which was created by commanding officers and ex-multinational conscripts, that were, uh, conscripts that were made up of the German Waffen SS army units, the CIA, which was created by former Gestapo agents to spy on, sabotage, torture, and kill agents, military personnel, political figureheads of the Soviet Union, the World Health Organization, created by former Auschwitz death camp scientists and physicians, NASA, created by former Nazi rocket scientists who were smuggled into the U.S. under Operation Paperclip. I know that's true. Uh, now that our governments have been ordered by the Nazi UN to begin pasteurizing and irritating every consumable food, the only question left to ask is how much time do we have before we starve to death from eating? Okay, so again, that brings up a good point. You could be eating a ton of food. Most people eat too much food in America. They eat too many calorie, uh, too much food that has massive calories that is absolutely, totally nutrient-poor. You can still starve to death. I mean, if you were to eat, uh, what would be a good example? I mean, I guess if you were to eat just something like white sugar or white bread, you know, with nothing in it whatsoever. It'd be a matter of time before, yeah, you're getting some calories, it's pure carbs, but all the vitamins, the minerals, the enzymes, the cofactors, the phytonutrients, those types of things, you're not going to get any of that. Eventually, you're going to starve to death. You could eat that all day long. Um, and eventually what your body will do is draw upon every reserve it has until it has no more left, and you'll die. Okay, this is what they're trying to create. So whatever you can do to stock up on these things, it's a pretty good idea at this point to do it, because, you know, food prices 
are really starting to skyrocket. And I'm afraid what that's going to translate into is even with the nutrients that I sell, I don't, hopefully it won't happen with the silver, but they're probably going to start going up a whole lot. And then they're going to be out of reach. You know, they're going to be out of reach for the average person. You know, I went to the the grocery store tonight um, and uh, health food store that we go to. And it was like, whoa, sticker shock. I mean, gigantic leaps in price in just the last month. So, you know, I wish I could say it's going to get better in that regard, but I just can't see how it's going to. I think this literally is the start of the coming uh, economic collapse, in uh, particularly in America, and I'm sure it's going to translate to a lot of other areas as well. Uh, let's go ahead and end part three there, and we'll go to part four, the final part, next. <laughs>